When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready? It's time to grind. That is all we're going to win. Let's go in for the shot. It's time to shot. Down. Hold. Kittle. Kelsey's got a touchdown. Best tight end in the business. They cannot cover Mark Andrews. What a catch. Darren Waller. Yeah, baby. First goal. Let's keep talking about the tight ends. All week, we've been focusing on the top 10 players by position for the 2022 season, and today, it's tight ends day. So our Jeremy Fowler asked 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players to rank the top 10 tight ends this season. And you see them there. We'll tell you more about how it all shook out. As we say hello and welcome to NFL Live, we've got Keyshawn Johnson and Jeff Darlington up on the screen right there. And how about this in-studio, Mike Tannenbaum and I am Field Yates. We're off and running here on NFL Live. And, Mike, you know, statistically, there is no tight end that is stacked up to Travis Kelsey over the past half decade, even longer. But George Kittle, once again, topped the list. He, of course, from the 49ers. Here's what one NFC offensive coach said about quote, Kittle. Quote, he's such an explosive player with or without the ball. Run game, run after the catch. That, to me, is the biggest thing. He's never going to be a great route runner. But he plays so physical through contact and is savvy and his play speed is so fast that he can overcome all of that. Now, Kittle continues to produce despite playing with numerous quarterbacks over the last few years because of injuries to Jimmy Garoppolo. How about this? According to NFL's next-gen stats, Kittle has the most receptions above expectations since 2019. That takes into account how many catches he ends up with compared to the number of expected catches based off where the ball is thrown. All right, so, Mike, you get the first crack at it here. What's it about George Kittle that makes him so special as a player? It's his tempo setting. It's his physicality. Mm. Like, you just did a great job about all the statistics. But, guys, it's so much more about that. He brings toughness at the point of attack. Key, he actually reminds me a lot about you and what you did for the Jets in the late 90s. Your toughness, your ability to – obviously, you were great in the passing game, but you were also great in the run game. And I see a lot of George Kittle, even though you guys play different positions – here we see him capturing the edge. And what's so great about this, guys, is you can stay in the same personnel groupings and the opposition doesn't know if it's going to be a run or a pass. And that's so rare uh, nowadays where everything's so specialized. So he is a true throwback. He's a three-down player, and he's essential for that 49er offense. And Mike is right. Mike is, is, is dialed in as a personnel evaluator. He knows that type of talent. Look, here's what I would say about him. He's certainly an inline blocker. He, has, he can run the routes that's necessary to run. He has very good hands, soft hands, so to speak. He can take advantage of the smaller defensive back, the smaller linebacker, but he also can bull rush the bigger defensive end. So when you look at him at his ability to understand the passing game, especially in zone, now he's not a big run-after-catch guy, although right here you see him be able to turn the corner and score a long touchdown against Seattle. I like him for that reason. I don't necessarily know if he's the number one guy. I understand the way personnel people think and evaluators think. He's not as smooth, okay? He has a lot of herky-jerky in him, and sometimes that can get you in a little bit of trouble. 
Are we going to get to the debate part where we talk about the fact that Travis Kelsey's not number one? Because, mm. Field, I want to talk about that. Okay? We got Keyshawn here. What's the most valuable position on offense other than the quarterback? The receiver. What does Travis Kelsey do better than anybody else at the tight end position? He receives. And that's what makes him such a valuable asset. He's obviously a really good blocker, and maybe George Kittle is a better blocker. But Travis Kelsey is a better receiver. I'm not trying to knock George Kittle. I love him to death. I think he's a wonderful human being and obviously an elite tight end. I was asking a uh, Super Bowl uh, winning coach, uh, an active coach. I won't say his name. I don't think you care, but let's just don't worry about that. Uh, this is what he was saying. They're both absolute stubs. Love them both, but gun to my head, I'm taking Kelsey for overall consistency as a playmaker in the pass game and route versatility is second to none. You heard it right there. He's an offensive weapon. That's the reason why Kelsey's better, even though, I'm sorry, I know Kittle is amazing too. Well, look at though. Jeff is just hijacking the second half of our A block here. We'll talk about Travis Kelsey and Justin we Lennon. No, no, that. we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't you worry. I will say this for George Kittle, though. One thing that should probably deserve some more shine for him is the unselfishness, because unselfishness, I should say, because he plays a position where he could put up much bigger numbers than he actually does, but he is willing to be that blocker, that movable chess piece on offense, along with Kyle Juszczyk, that has helped San Francisco win a ton of games but he has had some receiving production, as we saw last year when he went back-to-back weeks with at least 150 yards and a touchdown. So I was going to mention, and then Jeff mentioned it, that over the past half decade plus, nobody is putting up numbers like Travis Kelsey. I mean, the guy has been setting record after record after record, and really, as far as everybody is concerned, is regarded as the best tight end in the passing game in the NFL. So this has become a familiar look on this list over the past three years. Again, it's evaluators, it's coaches, it's executives around the NFL. Kittle, number one overall for three straight years. Kelsey, number two overall for three straight years. And here's what a veteran AFC scout said about Kelsey. Quote, when it comes to route running, putting him out there all game and asking him to isolate and win, there's still nobody better at the position. All right, so, Key, before we ask Jeff Darlington for more, in your opinion, what makes Travis Kelsey so dangerous in the passing game? Well, you saw it right there, the route running, to be able to take advantage of the smaller safety that comes down inside the box in the passing game, be able to take advantage of the linebacker, nickel and dime defenses, understanding how to run routes like a receiver. You can detach him from the formation. He can run sluggo. He can run deep in cuts. He can run a curl. It's so many different things you can do with him. And here's what I would say. If you're a real evaluator, you can evaluate him in many, in many different ways. He's a lot like Tony Gonzalez that got a knock in saying Tony Gonzalez would not block. Tony Gonzalez would block. Antonio Gates would block. If you ask them to block, Jason Witten would block. If you ask them to block. But Andy Reid's not doing that on a consistent basis. So he dominates in the passing game. I'll take that tight end any day, all day as my number one guy. I can find an extra tackle if I need one in a tight end that's only going to block. You know, I agree with a lot, a lot of what Key said. And to take it a step further, guys, his route running is really rare. Usually when you have a bigger tight end, they could sit down in zones. But Travis Kelsey is a big man with little guys. feet. Look at this route. That's Denzel Ward that falls to the ground. That is inhuman. That should not happen. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. When you have a guy of Travis Kelsey's size that can make a corner fall down with that sort of route running, it's almost unfair. And that's why he's so good and so elite. And then you take Andy Reid's creativity, as you mentioned, Key, flex him out. He becomes such a weapon for that offense. 
And by the way, guys, I feel really bad now. Like, now I'm going to go backwards and be like, I'm sorry, George Kittle. I love you, you George Kittle. You already used your stuff. I just Jeff, got a little upset, done. a little defensive you, you, about Travis Kelsey. You know what I mean? It's okay. You can. Hey, Look, here's the deal. Go you ahead. used it up already, Jeff. <laughs> no, no such thing as too as too no, no, Keep no, going. Here's the deal. Keep going. Tr- tr- Travis Kelsey also has an incredible relationship with Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. the likes of which we've seen over the past several years, decade for, between Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And I think that that's also going to continue to take this duo such a long way. I mean, you see it here. This is at the Tahoe Golf Tournament. These guys are, are literally best friends. Like, they, they have a connection off the field that translates to on the field. George Kittle, by the way, uh, great relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo. Eventually, we'll have that with Trey Lance. But I do think that that connection between Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes puts him in another level, and I think it will continue to do so as long as those two guys are playing together. So let's see if we can reach a majority here. We know where Jeff Darlington stands on this matter, but Key, who's the best tight end in the NFL? Is it Kittle or is it Kelsey? It depends on what offense I'm running, right? Ooh. If I'm running Bill oh Parcells' offense, then I'm going Kittle. If I'm running Todd Haley's offense – then I'm going Kelsey because I would be happy with either one of them, but I'm going to take Kelsey. Kelsey. I'm going to take Kelsey in this one, no question about it. I'm just saying different strokes for different folks depending on the offense that you're running. That's kind of a half measure right there. So, Mike T, I still want to hear your opinion on this. Who do you have between these two? No, I'm going to take Kelsey, though. Don't worry. I got Kelsey. Okay, two votes for Kelsey. You know, I love them both. You know, I have two kids, which, by the way, neither are salary cap friendly. I love them both. But if I had to take one, (laughs) I'm going to take George Kittle over Kelsey. But I love them both like I love both my kids. Okay. Well, three straight years, these guys have been one and two. I'll get Travis Travis Kelsey. Five straight years of at least 1,000 receiving yards. No other tight end in NFL history has more than five 1,000-yard seasons in his entire career. The guy is an anomaly. We could dive into this probably for the rest of this show. But we'll move forward because there is plenty more to come here on NFL Live. We all love George Kittle. Could a Kyler Murray extension be imminent? The guys discuss if this is the right move for Arizona. And Mike T gives us a history lesson. And speaking of contracts, Lamar Jackson is also in the market for one. But do receivers want to go and play with Baltimore? We ask our own wideout if he would go and play with Lamar. Stick around to find out Key's answer. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Here's a look at some of our featured events this weekend and next week. This Saturday is our next UFC fight day. Main card on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Plus. The Home Run Derby is next Monday, of course, from Dodger Stadium on ESPN and ESPN2. Plus, the first episode of The Captain premieres right after the Derby on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. And then the 30th annual ESPYs are next Wednesday on ABC. New on NFL Live, Tom Brady is... Not heading back to New England, but he did have a great tweet where he, Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman, and Rob Gronkowski are once again meeting up. He, he dropped the breaking news. Well, uh, nah, not exactly, as it looks like the four of them are getting together to do a little shot for uh, 80 for Brady, which we'll learn more about, I am sure, in the coming days, weeks months, perhaps over the next year. Anyways, let's move forward to the Arizona Cardinals. It's been an offseason with all sorts of trades, signings, extensions, but stars, they've been getting lots of money. And there's one who is still asking the Cardinals to show him the money. That, of course, is Kyler Murray. He's extension eligible for the first time in his career. You may recall last year, he was an MVP candidate midway through last season. The Cardinals had the best record in the NFL all the way into early December. But after posting a QBR of 67 in his first nine games, he struggled in his final six games with a QBR of 37 and the same number of touchdown passes as interceptions. Yikes. The Cardinals season came to an end in a 23-point loss to the Rams. Didn't even feel that close, to be honest. That, of course, was in the wild card round. Uh, but, Jeff, the contract right now is the big storyline. So what is the latest on Kyler and a possible extension? Yeah, I've got some good news for you, Field. I was talking to some decision makers out in Arizona, and they made clear to me that things are going uh, smooth. That was the word they used, smooth, and that there is optimism and expectation, I should say, that a deal will get done before the start of training camp, uh, which obviously is a, a pretty bold statement there. Now, things had gone sideways back in February when Kyler Murray's agent put out essentially a, a letter to the Cardinals that said, you know, all but basically laid out that he's not going to play this year if he doesn't have a new deal. Steve Keim, I talked to him at the time. He said, you know, we just got to pump the brakes a little bit. These deals for franchise quarterbacks take time, usually get done mid-summer. And here we are, mid-July, and it feels like there is momentum toward a new deal. So, Field, I would expect a new deal for Kyler Murray by the start of training camp. All right, so Cardinals fans probably smiling right now. But should they be? That's my question to you, Key. Does Kyler deserve a long-term deal with Arizona? Absolutely he deserve a long-term deal with Arizona. What's any different between Josh Allen getting a long-term extension with the Buffalo Bills or Lamar Jackson getting a long-term extension with the uh, Baltimore Ravens? If you look at Kyler Murray's ability and the things that he does for that football team, and you can't hold the lack of playoff success for the first time against the eventual Los Angeles Rams that won the Super Bowl in Aaron Donald against him. You can't do that. Yeah. Was he acting like a, a, a crybaby in the offseason when he was el- when he became eligible for the first time to get a long-term extension? Yeah, he was. Did, was it a little bratty? Did it rub people the wrong way inside the locker room? Yeah, but I think he learned from that experience. And because of that, 
he will become a better teammate. But absolutely, you pay him. You drafted him number one overall, and you moved on from uh, Josh Rosen because you felt that this would be your quarterback of the future. What's the holdup other than, hey, pen the paper? Mike knows about that. Pen the paper certainly a difficult thing when it comes to quarterback deals. You know, you mentioned both Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson as sort of measurables or comparables for Kyler Murray. Do you view him in that same caliber of player as them? For, for this football team, I absolutely do. What? Okay, so here's what I would say to you. Josh Allen has a big arm. He runs the ball. He does mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. He's been healthy, okay? If he wasn't healthy or if he showed you the last two years, the, the, what he showed you the first two years, would you have extended him? Brian Dable brought him to the party. He became a different player. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Lamar Jackson is the MVP. Kyler Murray has been in MVP conversations. He got hurt. It derailed his MVP conversation. If you look at where he started to where he ended, he was on fire. The Arizona Cardinals were being talked about as the best team in the National Football League until D-Hop got hurt, he got hurt, then all of a sudden people lost the momentum of giving them their flowers. So absolutely he deserves his money. Why wouldn't you pay him? You drafted him to keep him to have him there in the air raid system be your long-term solution. And, of course, not having a quarterback, some massive problems. Where do you weigh in on this one, Mike? What's the, the, the price point we're looking at here for Kyler if a deal gets done? Oh, I think it's somewhere at least $40 million or more because that's what good quarterbacks are get, getting. And I see it's similar to Key that I would extend him, but I've been in this situation before where I see Kyler Murray as a good quarterback not a great quarterback. When we were at the Jets, we had Chad Pennington. We went to a number of playoff games, but we were never going to get to where we wanted to go to beat Tom Brady. And in this situation, Key, I don't think Kyle Murray consistently is going to outperform Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or even Matt Stafford. So while I would give him an extension, I think there's a ceiling right now on his game. Based on the last three years, we haven't seen the improvement year over year. He's been good, but he hasn't been great. Here's what I would say. You have seen the improvement year over year. The only thing that has hurt him is he can't stay on the field. So if you're going to hold that against him, I understand, okay, health is an issue. But guess what, Mike? When you made, and I say you because I'm putting you in the general manager chair, when you made the decision to draft him, he wasn't all of a sudden going to be 6'4", 250. It wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to be Ben Roethlisberger. He wasn't going to be Tom Brady. But he can duel those other quarterbacks. It's, as you like to say, and we all like to say, it's not all on him. Mm. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss six games this year. If he was there and healthy, it'd be a different team. They've got to play better defense. They lose Chandler Jones. It's all about the team. But as far as what they want to do with the Arizona Cardinals, they absolutely have to pay him to keep the quarterback happy. Yeah, so um, while maybe I'm not quite there and putting him in the top of top tiers for quarterbacks, it is worth noting that he is the only player in NFL history with at least 70 touch, uh, touchdown passes and 20 rushing touchdowns in his first three career seasons. He's a unique guy, that much is for sure. So to come on NFL Live, the deadline for players to sign their franchise tag is tomorrow. There's some key tight ends on the list. Is that position undervalued? Here's what our resident GM had to say about the future of tight end salaries. The deadline for franchise tag players to sign a multi-year extension is tomorrow. So let's check in with Jeff on where things stand for the four players. Still on that tag, Jeff, let's go to Cincinnati first with safety Jesse Bates. Yeah, that's great. And let's start with Bates because this is an important one. He's a key player to that 
basically big postseason run that the Bengals ended up having, and he's yet to sign his franchise tag. That would pay him $12.9 million for the coming season. The problem with that is, is that that safety market has really blown up. We saw Minka Fitzpatrick's deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers ended up paying him an average of $18.4 million. Bates nowhere close to that. It'll be interesting to see if he reports to training camp. Orlando Brown, another guy. This is a key tackle for the Chiefs. Obviously a key component to their offense. Also, not really close to a long-term deal here. Again, the question becomes, he wants to get a deal done where he's paid more like some of these top-tier left tackles, not like the right tackles that he's been slated at uh, in recent years. So, the Trent Williams got a big deal, so that one's still a little sticky as well. Mike Gesicki, not expected to sign his long-term deal. Adam Schefter reporting that just very recently. Instead, looks like he will play on the franchise tag this season, obviously making him a coveted free agent next year because this is a pass kitchen tight end who has proven in the league to be a pretty consistent force. Now, Darren Schultz, Dalton Schultz, I'm sorry, another tight end here, not expected to sign his long-term deal either. So this is a scenario where all four of these players not really making it very far in these negotiations. Of course, deadlines do create some action here. We do have another 24 hours before that deadline has to hit. Maybe something will change. But the, the, the longer this lasts, where these guys don't sign their long-term deals, the more interesting it gets, whether they report to camp or ultimately whether they're holdouts that cause maybe trades to occur or something yeah. uh, something along those lines. Peter. All right, so the clock is officially ticking. You finished with two tight ends there, of course, Mike Isicki, Dalton Schultz, not looking like they're going to get long-term deals. So what does the free agent class of 2023 at tight end all of a sudden look like, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, this could get very interesting. You talk about those two tight ends in a market that obviously needs to find itself. Uh, it feels a little undervalued at this point, but you've got right here – these deals, look at that. Robert Tunyon and O.J. Howard, Austin Hooper, Evan Ingram, and these are names that should draw a pretty heavy market in 2023. This might be exactly the type of market, if teams feel the need to uh, you know, go after these guys, that could finally get that tight end market uh, along par with some of these other positions. It's time probably for the tight ends to get paid. And this type of a class in free agency could make that happen. Yeah, that position really does stick out in terms of one that feels like it has been underpaid. Let's go to guys that are very well paid as we look at some of the top five players at various offensive positions and where they rank. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers worth of $50 million. Tyree Kill, 30. Running back Christian McCaffrey, $16 million. You see Brandon Scherf, $16.5 million at guard. Trent Williams at tackle at $23 million. And George Kittle's at $15 million. I'd make a case he could be the second-best player on that list behind Aaron Rodgers. Well, here's George Kittle talking about Travis Kelsey being underpaid. Quote, I'm pretty sure he has the most receiving yards over any wide receiver, skill position, in the last six years. He gets paid half of what a wide receiver makes, which just boggles my mind. Every NFL team that's won a Super Bowl or – or been to the Super Bowl for like the last five years has had an all-pro tight end and a part of the team. I feel a tight end's not just like a cog in the wheel. It's an important position that can really add to your offense or diminish it. All right, so when we're comparing the top five players at tight end in terms of pay to those at the wide receiver in terms of pay, it's not close. Kittle makes $15 million per year. He's the highest paid amongst all tight ends. Kelsey's right behind him. Again, that's half of what guys like Tyreek Hill are making right now. 
on an average per year basis. Devontae Adams at $28 million per year. So Mike D, a resident GM, let me ask you, why aren't tight ends valued as a position like others are? A couple of reasons. First of all, when we look at that list that you just talked about, that's where our game's going. 70% of the snaps are three wide receivers. That's what the game is. But candidly, it's also a little bit of a legacy issue. And George Kittle makes a lot of great points. And when you think about, take someone like Mike Gusecki, last year he was detached 85% of the time. Go back a decade, Jimmy Graham, a great tight end. He was only detached from the line of scrimmage 66% of the time. So I think that day is coming. And I know Adam Schefter put out that tweet, but one other guy, when you think about Kyle Pitts, he's a couple years away, but he's sort of the transcendent talent that mm. if he gets out there, he will certainly get paid like a wide receiver. So their day is coming, but the trend of the league is an emphasis on the wide receivers. And I think the market will correct itself for the tight ends. If you go back in history and you look at it, some people value tight ends at the point of attack and some people value receiving tight ends or a combination of both. And I think that that is what you're going to be seeing coming up. Like Mike mentioned, you got a guy like Kyle Pitts who is somewhat of a tweener. Is he a receiver? Is he a tight end? He's probably more of a receiver because teams can play three receiver sets and use him in there and still use a traditional tight end on the football field as well. So these guys will still, you'll start to see them get into that high teens, low 20 number here in the next two to three seasons, I believe. So, Jeff, both Mike and Key have referenced it. What, what is the movement? How do we generate movement on this tight end market? Because, again, these guys, I mean, Kelsey might be one of the best to ever do it in terms of production, and he hasn't right. been able to move that tight end market that dramatically. What needs to happen for a potential seismic shift? You know, this conversation goes back eight years to when Jimmy Graham actually fought it through arbitration to try to be ruled a wide receiver instead of a tight end when it came to the tag. And ultimately, the arbitration had ruled in that situation that uh, that he was lined up too close to the line of scrimmage, essentially in the slot too often to be dubbed a wide receiver. So something that these tight ends have been facing all along. Now, here's the thing, though. It's coming to a point where it's coming to a head when the production of these tight ends is matching the wide receivers. And what's going to need to happen is exactly what happened in the wide receiver market this year. We saw Tyreek Hill, uh, we saw Devontae Adams, all of a sudden covet these massive deals. And what happens then? All A high tide raises all boats. If you can get one of these guys, whether it's George Kittle or, Tyree, or um, uh, Travis Kelsey, to go out on a limb and essentially kind of maybe even get into free agency and say, hey, this is we're, we're a weapon out here, and they get paid more, then every other tight end after them is going to get paid more as well. Yeah, it's going to take that, and it does feel like eventually it's going to come. Maybe a poor analogy, but you kind of need like the Kirk Cousins of tight end who's willing to string this thing out and bet on himself perpetually until he gets analogy. to the open market. Maybe Kyle Pitts, who Mike referenced, could be the one. Here's the good news for the Chiefs and the 49ers. They're probably going to have these guys as discounts for the next few years because they both recently redid their contracts and they are now signed through 2025. Not done here on NFL Live. It's after the break. We continue our dive into the tight end ranking. Hear what De'Aaron Waller had to say about the additions of Devontae Adams, plus other pieces in Las Vegas, and how good this Raiders offense can be. UFC Fight Night returns Saturday with our featherweight main event as number two ranked Brian Ortega takes on number three ranked Yair Rodriguez. 
an elimination bout to the number one featherweight contender. Prelims start at 11 a.m. Eastern on ESPN and ESPN Plus, followed by the main card at 2 Eastern on ABC, some daytime fighting. So the Raiders made a huge splash this offseason when they traded for Devontae Adams, but one return that should make this offense that much more potent is Darren Waller, who battled injuries for parts of last season. He'll also benefit from the presence of Adams, as he recently explained. Here's what Waller had to say, quote, I try to go get in the line with him in individual drills when they're releasing, doing releases on the little tire man over there in the corner. He's working his little double hand swipe, windshield wiper off the line. I don't know, it's just like, you know what release he's going to do, the little split, the shake, but just so smooth and quick and effective. And I'm over there in line just watching him, or if it's in a team drill and I'm not in and he's in, I'm just trying to be like, what is it about that that makes it so effective? And I don't know, man, it's just a balance, a mindset. I'm running expletive out here. No one's going to make me move at a pace that isn't my own. A lot to digest there, but Waller and Adams lead an impressive group of Raiders skillful players this season. They also have Hunter Renfro got an extension this year. He had 103 catches last year, so Derek Carr enters his ninth season. He also got an extension, plus Josh Jacobs in the backfield. His 28 rushing touchdowns in the last three seasons are tied for fifth in the NFL. Feels like a lot of good pieces in play, so I ask you this, Key. How dangerous can this Raiders offense be? I think the offense is going to be really dangerous. I think that they'll take a little more shots downfield than they were in the traditional West Coast offense under John Gruden. So, look, here's what I would say. You go out there and you get a guy like Devontae Adams for a reason. You have a tight end in Darren Waller, a former wide receiver. You mentioned Renfro had 100-plus catches. Then you get Demarcus Robinson coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs. So they have an offense that is explosive. And then when you add Jacobs into the lineup, I'm assuming Jacobs is going to be the starter, although they did not pick up his fifth-year option, which doesn't say anything. It's just a negotiation tactic, I'm sure. This offense is is pretty good. I've always believed in Carr. I've always felt like he was a top echelon quarterback in the National Football League. A lot of people don't believe that, but I think now when you got Josh McDaniel coaching you up and you got Devontae Adams, somebody that you're very familiar with playing receiver for you, you can have a really, really big year. You know, when you think about it, who are you going to double? Like, I've worked with a lot of defensive coaches, Rex Ryan, Eric Mangini, you know, Coach Marcel's key. They always say, who are we going to take away? Are you going to double Darren Waller? Are you going to double Devontae Adams? So I really agree with what Key is saying from this standpoint. If I was playing fantasy football, I would think about guys like Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. I think they're going to have massive years. And I think the one vulnerability in Derek Carr's game is decision-making. He has 85 career interceptions. This year, just go play point guard, Derek. Just get the ball in your hands. Mm. Long handoffs, because I'm telling you, those opposing defenses, they're going to take Waller out. They're going to take Devontae Adams out. That's going to free up some of these underneath routes, which Josh McDaniels does an exceptional job of. This will be a very difficult offense to defend. Yeah, Mike, you know, I think there were some people that were maybe a little bit surprised that Devontae Adams so adamantly wanted to go play with Derek Carr. Mm. Uh, given their history together, but the fact that he was leaving Aaron Rodgers and then got there and said, you know, in terms of ability and skill set, they're actually pretty similar, Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. And I admittedly have done sort of a a, a transition. I never really believed in Derek Carr until last year in terms of his leadership. uh, I was in Oakland, or I'm sorry, Las Vegas, and, and I remember just being there, seeing him interact with his teammates and realizing, wow, this guy has an incredible amount of respect 
from his locker room to a point where it made me realize that this is a franchise player, a guy who is the face of the organization in very tough times and absolutely has that sort of grip on his locker room that can make him very successful in Las Vegas for years to come. By the way, Mike offering some fantasy football advice earlier. I was writing that down, Mike. It's never too soon to get yourself ready for upcoming drafts. Fantasy football is a lot of fun, Field. You should check it out. I, I'm going to give it a shot this year. Darlington as well. <laughs> By the way, Derek Carr, one of just four quarterbacks right. to throw for 4,000 yards in each of the other four, last four seasons. The others are Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. Who would have thought it? Uh, so we know the Raiders are at least in the conversation for the best skill group in the NFL. As we move forward to quick reads. Let's get our guys' picks for the best skill group in the NFL. J.D., you are up first. Who do you got? Look, I'm saying the Tampa Bay Bucks. I know people are wondering because Rob Gronkowski's retiring. But, look, this team still has the most underrated wide receiver in Mike Evans in the NFL. Russell Gage is going to be a really good player. And when Chris Godwin gets healthy, that is a great trifecta. Cameron Brait, very good. Leonard Fournette. And that Tom Brady guy, not so bad himself. This offense is still stacked and still capable of being the very best in the NFL. There's the Jeff Darlington contractually obligation of uh, saying something nice about Tom Brady. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> excluding the quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. I love the speed of Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and the aforementioned Mike Gusecki. We also have a great running back in Raheem Mostert. So the amount of speed the Dolphins have is incredible. Hopefully Tua plays more consistently for them. Yeah, I would say that the Miami Dolphins is right there, but all those guys are the same. The New Orleans Saints is very easy for me. You got Michael Thomas coming back, who can move the chains with the best of them, route running, physical, tough, nepotism by me. Then you got Jarvis Landry <laughs> coming over, knows how to run, work things underneath Alvin Kamara, out of the backfield. And a guy that can lift the coverage, and Chris Olave, they drafted out of Ohio State. And look, it's, it, when you look at these receivers that the New Orleans Saints have, I don't see three better in the National Football League as a group right now. I'm thinking that Key just told me that for fantasy football, I should be drafting his nephew, Michael Thomas. I'm going to walk away from the show and just go tell my league, I'm winning it, so you guys better not even I'm bother showing up. I, Jeff, don't, don't listen too closely. We're playing a league together this year. Uh, so coming up, we break down the latest on Lamar Jackson's contract status. Because what's the holdup? The guy's not signed yet. Find out what the guys think may be the reason behind there being no deal yet. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Very perplexed.
perplexing to me as to why he ain't hurrying the hell up. Lamar Jackson is focused on winning. He is not focused on the money. Lamar Jackson. He fooled everybody. Lamar Jackson is a cheat code. Action Jackson. Touchdown. I got you, buddy. Trust me. Touchdown. He escapes. Dart over to the left. He shakes it. Lamar Jackson. We want him. He wants us. Time will come by that. All right, so while Lamar Jackson's resume screams franchise quarterback and massive contract, there's no deal in place for him yet, and he has just one year left on his rookie deal. Jackson has stated his desire to stay in Baltimore forever, and the Ravens have certainly reciprocated that. Both sides seem to want a deal, but for now, there is no deal. Let's get more details here from J.D. Jeff. What's the latest on the Lamar contract situation? Look, nobody knows much because, again, this is kind of cloaked in mystery due to the fact that um, Lamar Jackson is represented by a team of people that includes his mother, and, and the Ravens have stayed very quiet on it as well. That doesn't necessarily, though, equate to no progress. I told you earlier about Kyler, or, uh, Kyler Murray out in Arizona. I spoke to someone out there and said, yeah, this thing is likely to get done before training camp. There's no reason to think that that couldn't be the case in Baltimore as well. Again, I just want to preach, just because you're not hearing anything, doesn't mean that nothing has happened. This yeah. deal could still get done. I've never gotten the sense from anybody involved that it's gone sideways. Lamar wants to be with the Ravens. The Ravens want him. I could see this getting done when nobody's least expecting it. Okay, well, that could be some good news there for Baltimore fans. But, Mike, let me ask you, if you're the Ravens front office right now, what are you thinking and what are you doing? I'm flying to Florida where Lamar Jackson and his mother are when he's out in Baltimore, and I'm getting a deal done. I'm bringing the five deals down that are representing the market, and I'm not leaving until we can agree mm. to get something done. It's destabilizing from a franchise standpoint to have your star quarterback go into the last year of his contract. It permeates throughout the whole building. It's not that hard when you think about the market. Deshaun Watson's probably the closest deal that I think is appropriate for this situation. It's very difficult, however, field, when you don't have an agent in the mix because things are heard during negotiation that can offend people. But if I'm Baltimore, I am simply not letting him get on the field before it started training camp. They have to come up with a deal that's a win-win for both sides. Well, they have 12 days then, Mike, because the Ravens do report, at least veteran players report to camp on July 26, just 12 days away. All right, and flipping from that to an otherwise quiet night on the calendar for sports last night, former Ravens safety Bernard Pollard got the masses riled up when he said this about wide receivers not wanting to play with Lamar Jackson. This was via Twitter. Quote, no top wide receiver will ever come there while LJ is there. Plenty of wide receivers have been available to get in this offseason while LJ has been starting, but nobody wants to go. They give him the respect, but they don't want to play with him. LJ is good, but he's not able to make the throws. And quote, former Ravens teammate of Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown, came to his former quarterback's defense saying, facts, the narrative they're trying to create on my dog is ridiculous. He can run the show in any type of offense. He just so happened to be in the one he in and doing it at a top level. And every wide receiver who ever played with him knows that. Lamar showed his appreciation with a heart emoji and two 100 emojis in response to Hollywood Brown. All right, so, Key, you're a former NFL wide receiver. Do you think it's true that wide receivers do not want to play with Lamar? Absolutely not true, man. A receiver will go anywhere and have an opportunity to win. I think there's this, again, there's a narrative that's shaped that receivers want the football all the time. That's all they care about. They want to play with quarterbacks that are like Tom Brady. I call mess on that. Okay, when you look at it, 
I put this on the Baltimore Ravens. Simply, when you go into free agency or you go and look for a trade, what do these general managers do? You talk about Arizona, what did they do for the young Kyler Murray? They went out and got DeAndre Hopkins. What did they do in Buffalo? Brandon Bean for Josh Allen. They traded for Stephon Diggs. You start to look at this pattern. What did the Miami Dolphins just do for Tua? They went and got Tyreek Hill, a veteran young receiver that can still go, right? And then you look out west even further at the Las Vegas Raiders. What did they do to upgrade that passing game? They traded for Devontae Adams and gave him a bunch of money. Mm. So that's what the Ravens, it's on the Ravens front office to get a receiver to go there. First of all, in defense of Lamar, what receivers was in the open market this year in free agency that really would have made a difference? Kristen Kirk would have made a difference? Mm. I'd rather have Hollywood Brown. Like, who makes a difference? Like, who? You would have to trade for him. That's the front office. That's not Lamar. If, if I was Lamar, though, I'd go to Mike Tannenbaum as a general manager and say, yo, dog, you got me out here playing with scraps. And you expect for me to live up to my capabilities? That's on you as the general manager. And that's how I felt sometimes with Mike and Parcells had me running around with those quarterbacks <laughs> except Vinny. <laughs> it all worked out, though, Key, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, what do you say about that? If you were, if you were Eric DaCosta right now, are there options available that you can explore? Or do you think he should have been more aggressive in the wide receiver market this offseason? Well, I would say this. They did draft Rashad Bateman a year ago in the first round who has okay. a lot of upside. And I actually think there's a big opportunity to play receiver in this offense because the complexities of this running game and the spacing that Lamar Jackson creates by running the ball, no defensive coach wants to see a quarterback that can make plays with his feet the way Lamar Jackson does. And that creates big opportunities in the passing game. So I actually think if I'm a receiver, I can actually stand out here because I can get a lot of one-on-one. So I agree with Key. They could be strategic and add somebody. we got a long way to go to opening day. I'm not saying they can get Odell Beckham, but there are some receivers that are out there. They could make a trade. But long-term, I actually think this is an appealing opportunity because of the uniqueness of this offense. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is also a scenario when Bernard Pollard, I mean, I don't know that this even is worthy of conversation. It feels very personal when you say, no top wide receiver wants to play with him. You've surveyed every wide receiver to see what they think of Lamar Jackson. Like, that's not really coming from a a place of objectivity. That's clearly personal. I would also point out that Hollywood Brown, I mean, RG3 made clear on our air that he wanted out of Baltimore. had nothing to do with Lamar Jackson. It had to do with Greg Roman's system that he believed it was very tight end and running back centric. So if you're going to say what the reason would be that a top wide receiver wouldn't want to be there, it certainly feels like one wide receiver who left had very clear feelings as to why that was. So it feels a little bit cheap to go after Lamar on this one. And honestly, it just feels personal. Look, the Philadelphia Eagles come to mind. They went and got A.J. Brown for Jalen Hurts so he can grow with him. And I understand they got Rashad Bateman, Mike, right? That was a smart move on their part. I'd like to see them, though, if it's not this year, next year. Go and do something. Take a first-round pick. Take two ones and go and find that guy. Go find D.K. Metcalf if the, if the Seattle Seahawks doesn't want to pay him. Give them what they want so that your quarterback that you're about to give about $300 million of real money to can grow and bring a Super Bowl home to you.
Man, such a unique situation. Obviously, we've seen another member of that draft class, Josh Allen, get paid a ton of money. We've seen guys in the draft class before Lamar Jackson, like Patrick Mahomes, get paid a lot of money. We could see Kyler Murray eventually get paid a lot of money. We'll see whether Lamar's patience does, in fact, pay off. As always, we've got time for one more thing to say goodbye to the show with. And how about this? Darrell Revis, Mr. Revis Island, turns 37 today. And, Mike, you happen to know Darrell pretty darn well. Yeah, that one worked out. We traded up for him in the draft. We had uh, Leon Hall, Aaron Ross, but Darrell was our guy. And uh, this play, amongst many others, took us to a lot of playoff games. And we certainly appreciate those moments, Darrell. And, what everything we're seeing on the field here yeah. and on the tape, he was actually a better teammate, really competitive, and uh, proud to have been uh, part of some great memories with Darrell. Key, nobody could cover you, but who was the best cornerback <laughs> that you ever played against? <laughs> I mean, I didn't play against Darrell. I would say it would say it was Dion, Ty Law, Dion, those two. What was it about Dion? I mean, listen, anytime we can get some Dion highlights into the show, we're going to take it. But what was it about him that made him so unique? Well, one, he's, he was big as hell. And obviously, he was faster than me. I remember the Dallas Cowboy game. I caught a curl on him. I thought I was going to the house. I looked on the big screen. He sucked me up so fast, it was crazy. I was just like, where did he come from? But that's why. And, and he just – and he was funny. Always funny. He is always funny. That, that part has not changed, of course, doing great things as a college football coach now himself at uh, Jackson State. He can also still probably run like a 4-4-8-40 if you made him do so right now. A reminder, tomorrow the deadline for franchise tag players to get a deal done. We'll see if any of the four find a middle ground. NFL Live, back tomorrow.